Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. There's a sermon series that we're working on right now. It's called What's Your Story? Everybody say, What's Your Story? This is, uh, this is the series that we've been in, and uh, we've been thinking about our story as it lives inside of God's story. Last week was about courage and finding courage. This week is about loyalty. We've also been reading the, 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 the Old Testament all the way through, and right now we just encountered Ruth. Um, I don't know how many of you guys got a chance to read Ruth, but it should have only taken you like a minute and a half. <laughs> it's a really, really short part of the story, but it's a beautiful part of the story about faithfulness and loyalty. But before we begin, uh, we've been doing this a little bit, so this kind of weirds our introverts out. Apologies in advance. Uh, but I'd like you to just talk about a couple of things. I got a couple of questions we're going to put up on the screen. What does loyalty mean to you? And is there a story of loyalty in your life that you could share in groups of three or four? Try to get beyond just your family, all right? So if you got to move a little bit, that's okay. I know it's a little crazy for those of you that are like, I don't move in church. I stay where I stay. Don't tell me to move. Go have this conversation for a few minutes and we'll uh, pull back together. Ready, set, go. So what'd you find out? What did you hear as you're finding your way back to your seats or turning back around? Uh, what kinds of things did you hear in your, uh, in your conversations with one another? What kinds of things did you hear? Just uh, hand up and maybe you can shout. Well, Ashley will try to come around and see if we can hear, uh, hear a couple of songs. All right, so heading over this way. Did I see a hand over here? No? 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 Let's start over here. What did you hear in your conversations? You can shout stuff out. All right, uh, Ashley, could you catch that real quick? So our online worshipers can hear. Someone you can depend on day or night. Loyalty, someone you can depend on day or night back over this way. Thank you. Loyalty is an intentional choice. Hmm. An intentional choice. Loyalty breeds loyalty. Back in the back, Ashley, looks like Nate's got one. Anybody else over here? What you got, Mia? Sticking up for friends. Fantastic. Nate. Loyalty is sticking to someone when they've made a mistake and you know they've done wrong, but just being with them. Mm. Yeah, we, heard, uh, we heard in our group, what's interesting, I didn't know that this was going to happen like this, um, but we heard stories. Anybody in your groups hear more stories about disloyalty? Anybody, anybody hear that? Say, yeah. Yeah, really interesting, right, when we have those questions, and it's like, well, tell me about loyalty. Well, I can tell you about when the time when somebody wasn't loyal to me, that was really easy. We could rattle those things off left and right. How many people in this room have stories of disloyalty in their life? Raise your hand and say, yep. Yeah. See, I've been thinking a lot about what loyalty is. That was a great thing to be thinking about this past week. I asked the staff at uh, Christ Lutheran, we have our staff meeting, I asked them uh, a little bit about what loyalty and sort of where they saw loyalty. And I figured that somebody would mention dogs, and they did it. Anybody talk about their dog? Yes, absolutely. Who doesn't like dogs? So loyal, so sweet, so happy every time you come home. I understand that that's because they think that you were lost. It's true. They, like, you left the pack. Like, you don't, they didn't know where you were. And then all of a sudden you came back and they're like, yes! I was so worried you were lost! Even though you do it every single day, that's exactly what happens to them. My dogs are loyal until the invisible fence stopped working. 
This is a true story. Then my dog was no longer loyal. And eventually, after going around and looking for my dog for like 35 minutes, I thought to myself, well, I guess he's someone else's dog now. The best part about the whole thing is when we finally got him back, got him in the house, of course, we got to wait on the invisible fence guy to come out because I didn't know when you bought the invisible fence that the only way to get the invisible fence fixed was to go back to the invisible fence. People, I thought I could just fix it on my own. Not so, but they were really awesome. And the guy showed up and he's putting all the stuff back together. He's like, okay, first of all, this collar's not working at all. And this collar's messed up. So we got to do this. And we got to turn this thing up. And uh, he puts one of the collars on my dog. He's like, this is, I'm going to turn it up just a little bit more and we're going to help him know kind of what to do. And so he kind of walks him out to the edge, but he didn't realize that my dog is either really brave or really dumb. And he walks right out to the edge, and my dog, he lets him up, and he looks at him, then he looks at me, and then he takes off out the boundary, right? And of course, as soon as he gets to the boundary, they get the little electric shock correction. He's like, woo! And then he's like, is it over? It's over. Now I'm gone. And then he just took off. And so now it's me and the invisible fence guy running around the neighborhood, trying to like corner him and chase him, wait for him to go to the bathroom on stuff so he could run up and grab him. And of course, as soon as we get there, he stops and bolts again. And probably the best part about this is we're running through my buddy Tom's backyard because my dog loves to chase his chickens. So he's gone around the chicken coop over and over and over again. And my buddy Tom walks out and goes, hey, are you the invisible fence guy? And the, and the invisible fence guy goes, yeah. He goes, don't worry, I won't tell anybody. My dog was only loyal, was only loyal when he couldn't leave, when he had his dinner on time. And it was, I was only loyal for about 35 minutes of looking for my dog. And then I'm just like, I guess he's either going to come home or he's going to find a new one. And that'll be fine. <laughs> That's not the kind of loyalty that I'm talking about. How about this kind? Do you remember the kind of loyalty uh, on those little, anybody have keys with them that have the little tags on them that you, that you, for a long time you'd go to the grocery store and they all had it, right? Now you could just tell them your phone number or whatever it is, but you had to have the little tag. And I remember having, anybody with me on this? So yeah. Yeah, I remember having like 15 different tags for all the different loyalty programs there were. I mean, they were, they were, they were for everything. But here's the deal. That loyalty program, I was the king of these deals too, by the way. Like I could go through a store and I had like laser vision for the little yellow tags, you know what I'm talking about? Where you like, oh, that's, that's $2 less. And I would make it all, and I know it's all a sham. I know it's all a sham. They just hike the prices up so they can bring them down. But it doesn't matter. I was the king of finding these loyalty deals. See, the thing is though, they were only loyal to me as long as I was loyal to them, right? Like as long as I bought their stuff, then they'd be like, hey, we'll give you some money back. But only if you buy our stuff. And even if you're in our store and you're not buying this stuff and you buy this other stuff, we're not quite as loyal unless you buy this other stuff that we really want to get rid of. That's not the kind of loyalty that I'm talking about either. I'm going to tell you a story about loyalty. It's in the book of Ruth. Now, how many of you guys have read the book of Ruth at some point in your life? Raise your hand. I read it at some point in your life. You know that this is a really interesting story. And as a matter of fact, it's actually a bit of a sad story because it starts out really rough. Probably the, like the, the saddest five verses in the Bible. I'm going to read it right here. Listen, listen to this. Ruth 1 through 5. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, that's how you really say it. Everybody say, Cool. And Judah went to live in the country of Moab. Everybody said, ugh. He and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of the two sons 
or Mahlon and Chilion. That sounded a little Espanol. Sorry about that. It just happened. Chillon. That's French. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. They were Euphratites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. Everybody good so far? Say yeah. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. Everybody say, uh. And she was left with her two sons. Say, oh. You guys got to participate. Thank you. These took Moabite wives. Oh. The name of one was Orpah, not Oprah. And the name of the other was? When they had lived there about 10 years, everybody say, oh. Both Malon and Shilion died. Everybody say, uh. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. This woman's life was just great. Moved into this new land. Going to start a whole new thing. It's going to be fantastic. There's a whole lot to this story that we don't have a chance to talk about today. I invite you to do a little bit more investigative research into this. However, at this moment, Naomi arrives, husband dies, two sons marry, all these wonderful things are about to happen, and then guess what? The sons die also, and she's lost everything. Now, if you remember at this time that if you don't have a husband and you don't have sons, you are not worth much as a woman. That is the deal. Like, you must have husband or sons. That provides you worth in a land. All of a sudden, she has nothing. But then everything changes in this story. First daughter is just like, all right, I'm out. But this story starts with this incredible emptiness. I'm going to read you 6 through 18. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. Now this is a really beautiful moment. Because Naomi, remember, has nothing. It's all gone. All she's got now are these daughters-in-law. And she's probably thinking a little bit about, I don't know how to be able to take care of them. I don't even know what's going to happen. Her best hope, her best bet, was that hopefully, even if they stuck around, that they would find husbands, and all of a sudden they would have worth again, and then she would have a family to take care of her. But remember, she lost her entire family, and now there's no obligation by these daughter-in-laws to stick around, which means she has nothing left, and now even less, she's willing to let them go back to their homes. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, which means she left. But Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, listen to this. Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. 
Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and sin and so to me, and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Now imagine Naomi's heart. This story goes from full-on emptiness, nothingness, loss, a complete loss of any kind of identity or worth to a fullness in this relationship with Ruth. That's how God works. Simple as that. That's how God works. Devastation, it's not like devastation if it happens in your life, brothers and sisters. It's like devastation, what's the word I'm looking for here? When it will come and be a part of your life. It just does. Emptiness happens. As a matter of fact, I did a wedding last night uh, for a young couple. They sit right over here. We're gonna, we're gonna, we, we, we send them their blessings. I'm sure they're watching online as they head off on their honeymoon. <laughs> but I always say this in, in, in marriages, in marriage sermons. You're going to be great. The adventures are going to happen. It's going to be fantastic. Love is going to be like this magical ride. You're going to be great until you're not. Because that does happen. We do have that loss, amen? We do have that devastation. We do have that emptiness. I talked to somebody last week that was dealing with a terrible loss that said the words, I feel empty. It's real, and we can all relate. But see, we worship a God who brings fullness. Now, I'm not saying that it's just going to be like you want it. I'm not going to say that life's just going to work out fine all the time, no matter what. There's not going to be some sort of pain or frustration that comes along. But God always brings fullness. The story might start with emptiness, but the story ends with fullness. It's been that way with God since creation. Think about this. The reason that we have the type of story about creation that we do is not so much that we'll understand bits and parts of science. It's so that we'll understand how God works, that God took nothingness, a formless void, nothingness, and brought forth all of this creation, beauty, strength, life. That's how God works. Out of nothing, something came to be. Out of that empty void, new life came forth. And God has been faithful throughout history, amen? There are lots of times of great emptiness in the story of the people of God. And we've heard a bunch already as we've been reading. We've heard a bunch of them already. But God's faithfulness happened and it will continue all the way to the cross and then to the tomb, brothers and sisters, which if you could think about this for just a second, one of the most beautiful things we can understand about the tomb is that it was empty. The tomb was empty, and that's about the best way we can understand the fullness of God is in the empty tomb. Amen? But I keep wondering, why this story? I mean, why do we need to know about Ruth? Why do you need to know about this sadness that happens? A lot of us have great family and friends. Amen? Say yeah. And some of us don't. Say amen. Some of you have stories of abandonment. Places of loss in your lives. We all raised our hand earlier and said we've experienced some sort of disloyalty. And some of us, and some of us that are online worshiping this morning, hold God hostage for the actions of other people. How can there be a God when all of this happens? How can there really be a God 
when I feel so unloved and at loss? How can there be a God when each day I feel empty? Brothers and sisters, this is why we read the story. So that we remember that our God is faithful. That our God is constant. And that psalm, what was the thing it said over and over and over again? The scripture that we read in the beginning. Do you remember? His steadfast love endures forever. All together, his steadfast love endures forever. That through the times, the tough times that come, they don't get to win. They don't get to say the final word. That's the first reason that we read about Ruth. Her faithfulness and loyalty to Naomi, her willingness to stick by her, that's what God's love looks like, a constant love. She had no reason to stay. She owed Naomi nothing. She even had permission and encouragement and almost even the demand to walk away, but no. Ruth is not looking for any deal or making demands of Naomi or anything in return. We're family, for better or for worse, I'm in, all in for you, period. And brothers and sisters, that's the same thing with God. God is not a fair weather fan. God doesn't just show up in the good times. God doesn't just hang around when life is great. This God of fullness stands with us in the emptiness too. And here's the second reason. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Because sometimes loyalty to the people we love changes the whole world. Think about that. Sometimes the loyalty that we have with one another in relationship can change the entire world. We saw it right here. Ruth comes up in the New Testament. Anybody know where? Where do we hear about Ruth in the New Testament? That's right, in the lineage of Jesus. It's right here in Matthew. Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar. Perez, the father of Hexron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab, the father of Nashon, the father of Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by... And Obed, the father of Jess, the father, Jesse, the father of David. And through David, who's born? Ultimately, Jesus. This whole story takes a massive turn if Ruth doesn't stay loyal to Naomi. She stays with Naomi in this complete brokenness, in this complete emptiness, when the story of God was so fragile, hanging by nothing, and Naomi said, you can go. And that right there, brothers and sisters, could have been the end of it. The lineage would have stopped right there, but it didn't. God carried through that emptiness and brought a fullness and brought David, and brought Jesus, and gave us all salvation on the cross, and through the empty tomb. Brothers and sisters, that's the good news. Ruth stayed loyal to Naomi, and even her, even through her, ultimately comes the Savior. She's a great example of loyalty. And we all know, there are some days where we too are Ruth. But we stuck by. But we stood up for our friends. But we stuck there for our family. When we stood by those people in need in our lives. But we all know there are some days when we are Judas. We succeed and fail at being loyal to God and to one another daily. 
But you know me, we got to talk about the good news, amen? God is always steadfast. God is always loyal to us. God is steadfast, unshakable, unrelenting in grace and mercy, redeems the broken, even the unwilling, even the unloyal. God can use us all. Think about this. Abraham was filled with doubt. Jacob was a cheater. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a hated enemy from Moab. Everybody said, ugh. David was an adulterer. Jeremiah, Jeremiah wanted to give up. Peter denied Jesus how many times? Paul persecuted Christians over and over and over again. Sometimes they made great decisions. Sometimes they failed miserably. Brothers and sisters, you know what that means for us? We're in really good company. God is loyal to us no matter what, even when we are not. When God says that he so loved the world, God meant it. I'm going to send my son with or without your permission. <laughs> I'm going to have him teach and preach whether or not you receive him. I'm going to have him suffer at the hands of sinners, even if you don't care. I'm going to have him die on the cross, even if you don't believe. And he gives us his promise. Where you go, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Where you stay, I will be closer there to you than your very breath. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And when you die, here's where God's promise of loyalty goes even beyond that of Ruth. When you die, where you die, I will be there more alive than ever before to crack open the seal of that coffin, take you by the hand, call you by name, and say, get up get up death no longer has power over you death is swallowed up in victory and i am the resurrection and the life in me there is sure and certain hope so maybe today you're hiding away scared because you've not been loyal to god maybe you're filled with doubt a cheater a prostitute a hated enemy an adulterer. Maybe you want to give up. Maybe you have denied Jesus. Maybe you have persecuted others. Brothers and sisters, God remains loyal to you and to me, to all of us. And God can still use you to change someone's world. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.